Chris Jackson, not a big deal. Welcome to Football Another F Word. I am your host, Michael Gillum. As always, I'm joined by Zach Lyons and Michael Herndon. We are all brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com. You can read articles by Michael Herndon, John Glennon, just to name a couple, broadwaysportsmedia.com. We are here to give you the Nashville Pro Sports coverage that we think that the national guys ignore. Come in, check it out. We got a whole sheath of stuff for you all to listen to and read, broadwaysportsmedia.com. Men, how are we today? Well, I'd like to address the that the AFC South is happy that Bill O'Brien is gone. I am not happy that Bill O'Brien is <laughs> gone. Good and, and I will sorely miss him. And I was hoping there was going to be a lifetime contract that he would give himself a lifetime contract as both GM and head coach. Um, so, yeah, I'm a little heartbroken. <laughs> and entertained because we are thoroughly entertained. And I'm going to show you exactly how entertained we are. Yeah, I... I as much fun as it is, because I think Bill O'Brien is just kind of a jerk in general, as much fun as it is to see jerks get their comeuppance, you'd rather see the Texans kind of like be sabotaged for a few more years. Now, listen, really just kind of twist that knife in there, make sure they're good and dead. I mean, they did let him trade away D-Hop, so they could, they could hire Adam Gase by the end of the week. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, all right, we got a lot to get into. I do want to give a bit of a disclaimer. We are recording this on a Tuesday morning. We know a lot of the stuff we're about to discuss with COVID can change overnight. Obviously, we ran into that last week uh, trying to discuss the Titans. So just know that some of the stuff we discuss here may be a little outdated. Just want to give that disclaimer going up and forward. Uh, but the big news leading through the weekend, the Titans had no new positive tests on Sunday morning. Um, and I do want to discuss a little bit about the NFL investigation, but let's kind of start there. Titans had no new positives. Um, and then what did the NFL uncover and decide as far as punishment for the Titans and kind of as a league going forward? I will start with you, Mike. Yeah. So, um, the NFL is currently investigating the Titans or, you know, has been a national investigating the Titans in the protocol um, that they followed or didn't follow. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk this week about the whether the protocols failed or whether people failed. I know that Schefter had a report that came out that said uh, this is not protocols failing, this is people failing, which makes it sound like they think the Titans are to blame for this. But from a least obviously it makes a ton of sense for them to try to pin this on the titans they don't want to have their protocols look like oh well the protocols were bad the titans followed them but this still happened so now we have to redo the whole protocols and the nfl looks dumb so there's a lot of incentive i think right now for them to uh pin this on the titans one way or another but that's kind of i think what they've been looking at and and trying to pursue um from an investigation standpoint well, from how the NFL memo reads, it sounds like to me that now this is going back in, in retrospect to what Schefter just tweeted and what you talked about, that people failed. The, the Raiders are the only ones that have been getting announced for fines, and they've been getting announced for fines like crazy. And the new memo that came out on Monday, October 5th, it, it reads in the, one of the paragraphs, there have been breaches to the protocols and individual players, staff, and clubs have been disciplined as a result. So that is one of the lines in there that 
and it, it's already and that was after it was announced that the Raiders have been fined for a Darren Waller fundraiser for not wearing masks. And there's been nothing announced for the Titans. So it's like that's all past tense. So then I go back to the statement about people, right? Maybe their investigation was just like, okay, so yes, it is a people problem, but it wasn't like an egregious thing. And that's been my whole stance throughout this week since uh, that statement by Schefter is that it's going to be hard for the NFL to find egregious evidence that this was, and I don't want to, don't like using the word malicious, but like blatantly ignorant or blatantly on purpose in trying to infect people, right? Like, was it an honest mistake? I know that what Shane Bowen did, he wasn't on the plane for Saturday and he didn't travel with the team uh, when they went to the, the Vikings last uh, weekend. So is, is, was there egregious evidence? And it sounds like to me there isn't because I feel like the fine would have already been set because they've been here since last Friday, or, uh, Friday uh, October 2nd. And so they've been here for forever. And they still haven't said anything. So, like, to me, it's getting to the point where um, I think we're in the clear based on this statement from the memo. Now, you know, of course, that can change. And, of course, we could pop open this morning at some point And uh, maybe we have more positive tests and that changes everything. But I think we're in the clear in both the NFL's eyes and in COVID's many, many eyes. I guess don't diseases have lots of eyes? Multiple eyes, like spiders. Yes. And an ass clear. And I will say this, though. Let's call Shane Bowen Bowen 19 from here on in. I don't, I think it's, I think it's Greg Maven, isn't it? Right? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think think it could be. So maybe 19. Zach's just wildly throwing out accusations. No, I'm kidding. Simeon 19. (laughs) So it's all going to come back to him somehow. I want to kind of get specifically into what the NFL had said in their letter V going forward, what kind of punishments they are going to roll out to teams. Because I I think that does back up exactly what Zach was saying is that this almost reads like, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the NFL is acknowledging vaguely, very vaguely that their policy may not have been the clearest, but going forward, if you break these policies, there's going to be some severe punishments. Mike, do you kind of, know what those punishments are and what the NFL is looking at doing if teams violate going forward? Yeah, so they are um, considering up to, and and obviously I guess there's a whole menu of options, right? So they could do fines, they could do uh, suspensions, like if it's, I guess, one individual that's that's causing the trouble or, or violating the protocol, uh, they could take away draft picks. Um, and then they also added on that they would consider – forfeiture or forfeiting games as a potential option moving forward as far as if a game needs to be moved or canceled um, due to an outbreak they will consider forfeiting which I think is crazy because the NFL has never ever had a forfeit like it never in their history Um, so I'm I think it's kind of wild that in a pandemic which I think you know all of us are realizing this is harder to control than uh, at least when it gets to this point. I mean, it's everywhere, right? It's all over the U S so 
um, at least when it gets to this point, it is harder to control this virus than most because of the incubation period and because of the uh, lack of symptoms for some people and, and things like that. But I, I think it's kind of wild that they would make a team forfeit a game because of an outbreak that they didn't pursue a bubble option. If you wanted to have zero outbreaks, you needed to put everybody in one city and create an NFL bubble for the season. And that's the only way you were going to do this without having any outbreaks. Otherwise you've got people going home and having their kids coming in and playing with them and their kids are going to school and messing around with the other dirty kids and coming back and bringing whatever they've got there, you know, like, so like you're mixing with the general public, whether you, the players themselves are going out or not. Like it doesn't have to be these wild COVID parties that everyone are, is going to, to get COVID. Like you can get it all over the place. That's why it's pandemic. I So like, I don't understand the NFL trying to say, all right, well, we're going to make you forfeit games if you get this stuff. Like, come on. It's just a bunch you, of you chest pounding. You created the protocols that yeah. weren't airtight. This is, this is NFL chest pounding at its finest. And yes, they're not going to forfeit a game. They're just trying to, they're trying to seem like they're strong, in, in my opinion. Like, let's get real. You, you're right. A bubble thing should have happened. And I still say the most viable way was to do a two-hotel bubble in every NFL city. So for the people traveling and the people that work with the team, whether they're an away game or, or away or home team, have a place that is has been quarantined off from the, everybody else. That was the way to go. And they decide not to do it. Because old players got to see their families and all this kind of stuff, even though NHL players aren't, even though NBA players aren't, and all that kind of stuff. What's funny is that the NHL announced yesterday that the first they finally have a player that tested positive for COVID 19, and it's when the bubble's over. Like the bubble worked. I mean, that is definitive proof that the NHL handled COVID and the bubble correctly. And you can also see that they feel like they didn't do enough and they got caught with their pants down. And because you see that they're now doing a longer onboarding process for free agent tryouts, which maybe 19 could be the cause for that because he was a free agent tryout that brought it in. Um, bans on gathering out gatherings outside of the club facility, which could also allude to the fact that that is a Bowen 19 uh, cause and effect right there. Uh, limitations on the number of tryouts permitted per week and implementation of a league-wide video monitoring system to ensure compliance within the protocols, particularly the mandate that all staff and players wear personal protection equipment while in a club facility and on travel at all times. So all those things are pretty much related to the Titans, by the way, because Bowen did outside facility. Mabin was a free agent that was on tryouts. Um, limitation on the number of trials per minute per week. I don't know if that really pertains to us, but the video monitoring thing, because that was one of the things that they were coming in to do Friday. And I thought that was really a weird thing, like to be checking security footage. Is that a viable solution? Because is, is there cameras in every room and all that kind of stuff? Cause that was something that I thought was weird. Like, is there going to be enough video evidence of what they're looking for? And obviously they are encouraging additional video equipment be uh, installed across facilities because apparently we probably didn't have enough. So all those things kind of lead to, to me, the Titans investigation, right? But then here's where the COVID protocols for uh, the NFL really are lax 
is the additional steps to minimize risk. Consider these things. That's what the NFL wants these teams to do. Instead of telling teams just to do it, they want teams to consider it. Consider holding all meetings virtually. Consider wearing masks or shields during practice and walkthroughs. Decrease the size of the traveling party. Reduce the time spent in lunchrooms and locker rooms and consult the proximity tracking device information daily to identify areas where your club could eliminate close contacts. The NFL, these NFL teams aren't going to do that unless they're mandated. And most NFL teams are probably ain't going to do it if it's mandated anyway, because we've seen what the Raiders have been doing and they could just continue racking up fines and they're probably in millions of dollars worth of fines as a whole, as an organization. So I, I, I feel like the NFL is just really trying to beat their chest on the forfeit of games to make sure that you better follow these rules because we're coming for you if you and we're going to forfeit game when they're really just not. It's like the fourth or fifth thing that they're going to do as a punishment. Yeah, and I just can't imagine like Team X, okay, let's say they wildly break protocol. So you're going to forfeit their game and then punish the team they're playing because there's no way of, I mean, look, regardless of our feelings about how certain Steelers players were overreacting about their bye week being moved, then at the same time, the Steelers had a bit of a grievance because they did get their bye week moved and it does somewhat inadvertently punish them. So if you straight up forfeit a game, it's going to affect the other team. Um, so but I do love the little breaking news that Mike dropped right at the beginning of that is that NFL players are just filled with just dirty, dirty children. But um, <laughs> just going on to they're just filthy kids. But Zach brings up a good point. I mean, they roll out a line of mandated rules and then some of them were, please consider these. But at the end of the day, where this all breaks down is the moment the players, the staff, the coaches get in their cars and go home. And it's exactly to Mike's point about filthy, filthy children is that it doesn't, in all seriousness, it doesn't matter how strict you take these protocols at practice and before the games and all that, you're going home to kids that are going to school, you're going home to spouses that are having to go to the grocery store and everything else. So inadvertent exposure is going to come up. Um, So kind of rolling back a little bit towards the Titans Obviously, well, I guess specifically with the Titans having an outbreak, um, the team, you know, we have teams that could possibly have another outbreak later in the year. I'll be interested to see how the NFL handles that specifically to what Zach was talking about. Are they going to lead towards punishment? Are they going to lead towards trying to roll out additional protocols? But um, the specific part I want to get into is the timelines for players to return. What really kind of sucks about this with the NFL too is that, they're they test all the way through Friday. And then what is the NFL protocol for timing when an, when a player has a positive test and then they test negative, when can they come back? Let me start there. Uh, if they're symptomatic showing signs of symptoms, they have, they have to stay away for 10 days regardless. So it's 10 days, regardless if they show signs of symptoms and they have to accrue two negative tests back to back in 24 in a 24 hour period. So that's how they come back. If it's asymptomatic, they can either stay away for 10 days and they can either stay away for 10 days and don't have to worry about how many tests it is. That's showing signs of no symptoms or they stay away for five days and accrue two negative tests back to back. And guess what? It just got announced. Ian Rappaport, source, another good morning as the Titans have had zero positive COVID-19 tests. That's two in a row. There is a potential the facility could open tomorrow. So technically, 
with that news, we will find out probably more information as it comes out, who's available, who who is at the facility, who is at practice. That will let us know what players to be looking for will be back for Sunday's Bills game. But this means that it's it's pretty much should be over, right? Because like the incubation period for the virus and all that kind of stuff, we knew we were going to be leading into Sunday with some positive tests lingering. So to go back, it's five days or 10 days. And it all matters with two negative tests for the test for the player that either tested positive or for a player showing signs and symptoms. Excellent. So, all right, again, the breaking news, Rappaport just tweeted that the Titans um, have had a second day of negative, of, of no positive tests. So negative across the board. Um, and this does lean towards the Titans facility being able to reopen on Wednesday, which means, as it stands now, game week is on. That's great news. Um, Mike, for the Titans specifically, um, what position groups are the most concerned? And I guess before you answer that, do we know what Titans players were actually like symptomatic, had COVID, and the ones that were asymptomatic? So we don't know who were who is symptomatic versus asymptomatic they they aren't giving us that information i don't think they will either so it's kind of going to be a guessing game um i would imagine all the way up until uh the actual players coming off of the covid list so they have to be activated off of the list kind of like injured reserve so as soon as they're activated that's when they'll start practicing and you know mingling with the team again and and being able to play in games so until those players like if if guys aren't activated by you know friday i would say there's a pretty low chance that they're going to play on sunday because they just wouldn't get a chance to practice or or anything like that or be even be back in the facility um maybe with some more veteran guys you could have a chance you could just throw them out there and be fine but um yeah, you're going to have to see the guys come off of, of the reserve list before they actually uh, can get back in, into the building. Um, but, yeah, no no idea which which are symptomatic and asymptomatic. And that's a huge deal because, I mean, that could be the difference between them having a chance to play against the Bills uh, this weekend or possibly even being out through the Texans game um, next week. So there's some guys that I would imagine if you did display symptoms, there's a pretty decent chance that we see some guys be in question late next week, possibly even miss the Houston game and have to come back for Steelers. I would, I wouldn't think anyone would go beyond Steelers, but you know, symptoms can last longer with some people than others. You know, it's all really variable from individual to individual, but your symptomatic um, people, they test the, though the first news that someone was symptomatic were, was from the, announcement of the Tuesday positives, but the test was on Monday. So they wouldn't be able to come back to, let's see. They wouldn't be able to come back off the list until Friday. So if you see somebody like, um, who was on that first list? Uh, Tommy Hudson, I think was on that first list. Okay. I mean, if he comes, if he comes off the list on Friday versus a bunch of players coming off the list on tomorrow, then you know that he was probably the symptomatic one. So it's all again, it's going to be all about counting backwards once you see people off the list and figuring out who is asymptomatic and who was symptomatic, more than likely. I mean, that's it's still conjecture because Isaiah Wilson is still on the COVID-19 thing, and we're in like a month almost of him being on yeah. COVID-19. So it he obviously 
something else is going on there in my mind, my conspiracy theory mind. But right now, I mean, it, it's still, even if you were to count backwards, it still would be conjecture. And it would be, unless the team actually tells you, it would be um, disrespectful to the player to just put out there, well, he obviously was the symptomatic one. He had the symptoms because it, it may not be him. You just don't know what maybe he just continued testing positive. Maybe, you know, he it just took a while to get those two negatives. You just don't know. So let's let's pivot talk about uh obviously Titans V Bills. Uh and the Buffalo Bills are four no. And this all of a sudden the Buffalo Bills team is looking pretty good. I, I want to throw out there before we kind of get into this is that uh, someone had tweeted out, a Titans fan had tweeted out, and I forget the name, or this weekend that the Bills game is one of those that I kind of look at on the schedule and circle as it should be an easy win. I kind of understand what this guy's trying to say, but I want to throw this out there. Since 2000, Titans versus the Bills, the Titans are 6-4 and four versus the Bills in the last 20 years, and all of the games except one have been decided by a touchdown or less. Four of those were decided by one point. This is not an easy game against the Bills. It has not been for two decades. So let's get it out of our head that playing the Bills is easy. And specifically this year, the, the Bills being at 4-0, as much as I hate to admit this, are on a roll and look as legit this year, I think, as they have in multiple years. So let's kind of start there. Uh, Zach, what is, what's, what's the one thing the Bills do well that concerns you against this Titans team? Uh, I, I think it's all about, uh, the offense. I mean, I'm not too scared of the defense right now. That defense is not, uh, it's not the defense, the bills defense of the past. In fact, I was watching the game versus the Raiders this week and they flashed something up on the screen that they rank at the bottom as a second half defense. We're talking 30th, 31st, 32nd, and all the important categories. They had them all listed. Now that may have been bumped a little bit because of this Raiders game this last week. But this offense, what they do well is utilize Josh Allen. They built around his skill set, right? So they got John Brown for the deep ball. They got Stephon Diggs for the, the routes. And they got Cole Beasley in the slot to eat up. You know, just some easy uh, dink and dunk passes. And, and they attack. They call Brian D Dable the architect. They'll attack our weakness. And that's what they do well. And they have Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, a, a good running duo, but they also use Josh Allen to, and his legs very appropriately. And Josh Allen has made that leap so far. Okay, so like this is going to be the best team they face so far. So in this 4-0 and trip, we are the best team. Much like the Steelers last week, we were going to be the best team. And they're more than likely facing us at our strongest. Right, the, Ram, so, the Rams are pretty tough. You got to give you got to give them credit. The I mean, the, it depends on which Rams team you get what week. But let let's be honest here, and we just saw the Rams struggle this past weekend. So you know, we'll 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 see what the Rams actually are. I think the Rams are a good team, but we are the best team. That's that's what I'm saying is that we are the best team that they have faced so far. We're better than the Rams. Let, let, I'll just be blunt. We're way better than the Rams, and. I, I think it will be interesting to see how they handle our defense. Our, our, the COVID position groups I'm most concerned about heading into this Bills game is the defensive line and whether Adoree will be back, even though you know he's just been injured, injured. And 
with the return of Christian Fulton off the COVID-19 list. Those are the most important to me going forward to keep an eye on this week is Daquan Jones, Jeffrey Simmons, and Christian Fulton. Yeah, I think so. Um, defensive line is really the big concern to me because, you know, I think, I mean, I guess it's really it's both corner and defensive line. Um, corner specifically because of what the Bills are, right? The Bills with uh, John Brown and uh, Stephon Diggs have two of the fastest, most like prolific vertical deep threats in the NFL um, on either side of the field. So they are basically, I mean, you're going to, your safeties are going to be tested all day. Your corners are going to be tested all day. Um, and I don't think you want any part of Jonathan Joseph having to chase Stefan Diggs and John Brown on nine routes all day uh, Sunday. I think that is a recipe for disaster. Um, the Titans could really use a Dory Jackson speed back there. Um, it, it would be great if they could honestly have Jackson and Fulton available and be able to uh, really kind of get get a little bit more athletic in the secondary uh, than they had been the first few weeks. But um, Adoree's presence is, is going to be pretty critical. And we'll find out uh, pretty quickly if he's going to have a chance to play um, based on practice reports. So, um, but defensive line, obviously a big concern with, with both Simmons and Jones uh, on the COVID list. Don't know if they'll be able to play or not, obviously, um, whether they're asymptomatic or symptomatic. Um, when they come out of the game, I mean, really, they're two—they're the two far and away best defensive linemen on the team. When they've come out of the game, it's been big trouble on the interior of the defensive line. I mean, you've got Isaiah Mack, Mac Dickerson, um, Jack Crawford, uh, Laurel Murchison—all I guess you know to some degree. Most of those guys are have played before, but nobody has has played this kind of snap count out of that group um, besides Crawford, who's really undersized, anyways. But it's going to be – I think there's there's potential for some real issues in the middle of the defense, and that run defense has not looked good uh, the last two weeks, and now you're losing two of your best interior run defenders. Um, that's just – I don't know. I, I, I would be very concerned about that situation um, on the Titans' defense. The Titans are going to have to win a shootout if they're going to win this game, I think. That was kind of my next point is what – does it turn into a shootout, and specifically what – how do you anticipate the matchup against Derrick Henry? Does Derrick Henry have a shot of running all over this Bills defense? Yeah, I, th I think he does. And I think we saw a little bit with Josh Jacobs. Now, this Bills, this Bills defense is, is very, very good, right? But I, I think Derrick Henry does have a chance to wear them down in the second half because they are such a bad second-half team. So we got to – it's much, much like the Steelers game, right? So – I said in the Steelers game, we have to jump out ahead. In the Bills game, we have to remain competitive in the first half because in the second half is when Derrick Henry, in my estimation, is going to get do his most damage and really put the nail in the coffin. In these Bills games of the past, we've always gotten away from Derrick Henry. We've always put too much on the quarterback. Now, we have a different quarterback behind center during this Bills game, and Ryan Tannehill has played the Bills in the past with Miami. But we as the Tennessee Titans and Ryan Tannehill have not played against Buffalo Bills. And let me say this. Tredavious White is right now having an off year. He is allowing a 128 passer rating when thrown his way. And that's very unlike Tredavious White. So if we have A.J. Brown back, Corey Davis is healthy, Khalif Raymond is deep, I think we have a good chance of like 
um, Mike said, of being in a shootout in the first half, and then we can slow it down to our pace in the second half. Because I think Derrick Henry will be a little bit ineffective in the first half just based on the trend of the Buffalo Bills defense. Yeah, so I would agree with that. And I mean, listen to the scores that they've allowed on defense so far. The Jets scored 17, which is like 30 for any normal team. Um, <laughs> the, the Dolphins scored 28. The Rams scored 32. The, the Raiders scored 23. So, I mean, it's not like the defense, the Bills defense has been shutting people down like like they did last year, um, despite having a lot of the same guys back. So, and, and particularly, I think Tremaine Edmonds is really struggling as well as an inside linebacker. So, there are some opportunities um, to get Derrick Henry going in this game. And I, I think leaning on him, you know, in that play action passing game, getting points on the board and keeping the ball out of Josh Allen's hands are kind of the recipe for success on this game. And, and let me say this real quick while, while we're here, stop coming at me with the Titans should just forfeit. This is going to be a loss stuff. The Titans are three and oh, they've won all three games. They've played. Yes. They've got some COVID stuff going on, but that's not really any different than, anyone else who's banged up right now so are you saying the 49ers should have forfeited all their games that they've played this year because they got hurt early on no like you come out and you play football and injured or covid teams can win football games there there's no reason to think the titans are just going to come out and roll over against the bills just because they don't have jeffrey simmons i mean jeffrey simmons is great don't get me wrong but he's one player uh and football is the ultimate team sport so stop with all the Oh, this game's already over. Just forfeit. Let, we, we shouldn't even play it. Enough with that. Yeah, it's the Buffalo Bills. I mean, I, I want to kind of counter the point I started out with about the Bills game always being tough. We are talking about the Buffalo Bills, and as much credit as people are giving Josh Allen, I refuse to give the man credit because I can't stand Josh Allen. And for every great pass he throws, there's one that he throws 18 rows up into the lower bowl. But anyways, let me, let me back up. Well, if we I'm have fans only... in the stands, someone's going to get a souvenir. <laughs> <laughs> there are so, only fans in the stands. Can you get fined for throwing a ball into the stands? Did they fine uh, Vince Young for throwing shoulder pads in the stands? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, like during COVID. <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah, I don't know. I'd Bear, wear your gloves. Wear yeah. your gloves and wear your mask. Allen's <laughs> um, a super spreader. <laughs> do, <laughs> do the Titans have any advantage coming off the impromptu bye week? Yes and no. The, the advantage is they got healthier, right? know that if you have apparently according to an athletic article where they break down the advantages and disadvantages of bye week so yes they've gotten healthier as far as the physical uh injuries that they've had and piled up they have not gotten healthier as are they now that their whole routine is messed up that could be a little bit disadvantage they haven't had a lot of interaction a lot of on-field stuff but apparently, if you have like hamstring issues or stuff like those kind of injuries, being off for a 13 to 14 period of time is actually worse for you than keeping that thing active, keeping that hamstring, keeping that uh, whatever that lower body injury is active because you've got to exert it to get over it, apparently. And that's what a doctor said. That's not for me. Um, specific to Titans injuries, which Titans players, and I know we touched a little bit on Dory Jackson, which Titans players do you think benefited from getting some extra rest? Which Titans players kind of leading into the Steelers game, which ultimately got moved, um, do you think were should have a better shot at feeling more healthy? And what, what Titans players had injuries that are we looking at possibly getting back? 
Lawan, AJ Brown, and Adoree Jackson. Now, I know Lawan was never officially declared out for the Steelers game, but I think that you could probably say that if it had been a normal week, there is probably um, it would have been a seventy percent chance he wasn't playing. Like that would have been a pretty that have been a pretty quick turnaround for him and that particular injury. But that's, you know, again, I'm not a doctor. That's just what I what I saw that day and what I felt was going to happen that week. So, obviously, getting him back is huge for this game. And, of course, we Dory and A.J. Brown should be off the IR list, hopefully today or tomorrow. That'd be some good news to pile on. And uh, let's get them uh, in for the game. I guess A.J. Brown wasn't on IR, right? Okay. No, he wasn't technically on there. So but he's, Adore, he, was. he should just return to practice, yeah. it sounds like. Um, but uh, a couple other guys, you know, Chris Jackson, who, I, you know, I don't think is a huge deal, um, but he missed the last game. Derek Roberson missed the last game, too. Um, I would guess both of those guys are probably back. Um, they were both at least doing limited practices uh, the week leading up to the Vikings game. So you would think a couple weeks off, they've got a good chance to go. Um, and then you've got a couple guys that I think were a little bit banged up, like Malcolm Butler. Um, you know, we don't know 100% how full speed like Jonathan Joseph and Darrington Evans were. They had both been dealing with a little nick. So, you know, maybe some of those guys are, are 100% healed up now and you get a little bit better performance out of them, particularly Butler, who I thought looked like, especially against Jacksonville, he was dealing with that quad issue and, and struggling a little bit. So, yeah, I think getting those guys healthy um, is a big deal. And the other guy, Derrick Henry, he wasn't hurt, hadn't had any issues, but he had a ridiculous number of carries through three games. I think almost getting him a little bit of a soft reset early in the season. They've now got Darrington Evans active and able to take a few carries off of him, maybe get him into more of a, a regular workload um moving forward in the season i i kind of think that this buy might have been a little bit good for him uh just to get his legs back underneath him after a really heavy opening workload and and get get back to a more normal like 20 carries 25 carries a game kind of thing instead of 30 35 carries mike is full of breaking news this morning nfl players have filthy filthy children and chris jackson not a big deal <laughs> i mean damn mike that's just just, just, I mean, you just Adam Schefter over here, just dropping bobs. Chris Jackson, not a big deal. I hope that goes on the audio reel for Mike. Oh, Jesus. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. All right. AFC South. Uh, I, so leading out of Titans v. Bills again, Sunday at noon, as it stands now, of course, uh, the breaking news in the middle of our show, uh, Titans have two days in a row now of all negative tests, no positive across the board. So as it stands now, Titans bills Sunday at noon on CBS uh, in the AFC South. We had a firing, which unfortunately has upset the rest of the fans in the AFC South, but it's filled me with a little bit of elation because the stories that are going to come out about Bill O'Brien in the in the Houston Texans regime should be fantastic. Just a few of the things that were coming out yesterday after he were after he was fired was fantastic and really funny to read. Um, so Bill O'Brien is out at the Houston Texans after uh, the Texans start zero and four, and this comes after a week. Zach was correcting me right before the show. This comes the week after he promoted himself to play caller. 
So he had three jobs, uh, none of which he was doing well. GM, which we're going to get into his idiotic trades, uh, head coach, and he had promoted himself to play caller. And apparently that was enough to get him canned. Bill O'Brien is out in Houston. Um, I kind of want to start with his idiotic trades and some of the things people were tweeting yesterday about that. Um, this is a guy obviously who traded Hopkins and gave up draft picks for just everything. And it starts, it gets, gets four games into the season and gets fired after basically giving the whole team away. It's, it's really unbelievable what has happened here. Cause like it, it shows a Texans franchise. I think it reflects really badly on the Texans that they fired him. Now, like on one hand, I'm sitting here going, well, of course they fired him. He's doing an awful job. He's got Deshaun Watson and he's ruining him by making these stupid trades and being petty because he doesn't like Deandre Hopkins. Uh, so he trades him away for a terrible running back contract and a second round pick. Uh, like, so he's doing an awful job, but at the same time, you're firing him four games into a season when he opened with the chiefs, Ravens, Steelers, and then Vikings. So yeah, the Vikings, maybe you could say he should have won that game. Although I do think the Vikings are better than they've played so far this season, but the other three are the arguably the three best teams in the AFC. So I, I don't know. And two of those were on the road. So I don't know, like what they exactly expected was going to come out of that opening season slate. Um, and also they just let him take all the power and make all these deals and sign all these massive contracts. And then they fire him four games into like the, the season. So they let him set the course for like their next five years as a franchise right before they canned him. Like if you were that close to firing him, don't let him do all that. Like I, I I, the, the decision-making is infuriating to me just from a logical person standpoint, but as a Titans, you know, somebody who's like looking for the Titans to have some success, this is great. I mean, like what they did, what they did. I mean, they, now they've got a guy in Jack Easterby. That's an interesting fellow himself. That's kind of the power player in Houston. Yeah. Apparently um, he has this like, Texas wild card energy to him. Apparently Peter King had wrote something about him that he's like a genius and hard headed or something like that. It was something because it was getting a little viral on my timeline. People, Peter King was talking to people that were Texans fans. They were making fun of Peter King for like way overplaying what Jack Easterby is or whatever his name is. Easterly or Easterby? Easterby. Okay. We'll go with Easterby. Um, but the, they don't, the Texans don't get better at, by this. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it's Romeo Cornell, who is now the oldest NFL head coach in history. This is after Marv Levy was our was a head coach, just like of, of, of in my lifetime, and and he is seventy three years old. The defense has not been that great these last couple of years. So, and we know what he is as a head coach, and he's a defensive head coach, like. Bill O'Brien took play calling duties away from Tim Kelly because Tim Kelly wasn't doing any better. Bill O'Brien didn't really do any better either, but who's they're going to go back to Tim Kelly. And like, what good is that? Like nothing about this screams that this is going to be one of those, uh, Oh, D Dan Campbell in Miami kind of deals where Dan Campbell came in after Joe Philbin was fired and he, they went on a big win streak. 
I don't see a win streak happening. This is going to be an utter and enjoyable, delightful disaster because the, you know, Bill O'Brien, a lot of people talked about that he, what he did when he was going nine and seven all those years and going in those playoffs when they were, before they even got Deshaun Watson. And remember, he was a quarterback whisperer and all this kind of stuff. Like, that's all good and fine. The AFC South sucked for a lot of years and they, the Texans took full advantage of it but only to win a few AFC South championship games and go to a few playoff appearances to get whooped by the Bengals and, you know, in atrocious Saturday afternoon playoffs. Like, it's it's not been a successful tenure under Bill O'Brien, no matter what kind of raw stats like the win percentage and the divisional appearances and the playoff appearances that you try to give me. Because they, they got in, they backed into those playoff spots. I mean, they we... The Colts handed it to him. We handed it to him. The Jags handed it to him a lot of those years. I mean, give me a break. They've always been overrated, and now it's finally catching up to him. And Bill O'Brien has been an overrated coach. Now, he will get an offensive coordinator position somewhere, and he should. He's a, he's a very good offensive coordinator. He's just one of those people that's not a very good head coach and should not be given any power or any kind of leeway. And to be honest, he needs to take a year off because he's so toxic and the players do talk because we saw Taylor Lewan tweet that they're happy for Houston. The Texans players haven't heard one good thing about him. I have it on good authority. He wasn't a fan of the boy either. Well, listen, I know that Taylor's deleted that since then. Probably a good thing. Cause you never know if Art Smith leaves for a head coaching job, Bill O'Brien could definitely be your, your offensive coordinator, but he, because of his anti-players, the anti-player sentiment, it will be hard for him to get a get a job immediately after this, in my opinion. Yeah, he certainly is not a going to get a job in human resources anytime soon, and B probably needs to take some ang- anger management. Aaron Wilson of the Houston Chronicle had tweeted out when former Texans coach and slash GM Bill O'Brien fired people over the years, he did so with a lot of f bombs. And orders in order to get the blank out of the building immediately per sources. So when he fired you, he just threw you out of the building, uh, <laughs> cussing you out as you went. Again, you said that Taylor wanted had tweeted out that obviously wasn't a big fan of him. Lawan quickly <laughs> deleted that tweet. Uh, Charles James II, former NFL cornerback, he had, had several stints with several NFL teams that he had two stays Hard with the Texans. Star. I'm sorry. He's a hard knock star, former. Uh, oh, hard yeah, that's right. Star hard knock star. Yeah, uh, Texan season. He tweeted out, Bob, get get fired, and the group chat all of a sudden is lit with a laughing emoji. Y'all are going to hell, man. LOL. And he kind of alluded to and took a couple of screenshots of just his how many um, tweet notifications he had, and it was quite a few. And then there were other NFL players just kind of chiming in with laughing emojis or told you so. So it was well apparent that players, uh, players talk. They obviously have their own little, little chat groups, no matter what team they go to. And there was apparently a lot of talk behind the scenes. They did not like this man. Um, I do want to kind of throw out there that uh, to Zach's point about the AFC South was atrocious for a long time. And Bob was only able to rack up 52 and 48 with a, you know, 0.520 win percentage, two divisional appearances, four playoff appearances in total. He did not make it to the AFC championship game. And the only reason why they won the AFC South several times is because AFC South was so bad. So after 
his tenure there, which was actually kind of lengthy for NFL head coach, you know, I mean, what he was there six years. So it never made it to the AFC championship game and traded away half the team. I mean, just to reiterate, traded away Hopkins due to a personal feud. Um, it got David Johnson in a second round pick, traded Clowney for a third. He gave up a first and a second for Laramie Tunzel and Kenny Stills. Way to go. And then traded that second rounder. Two first and a second. Yeah. And then traded this other second rounder for Brandon Cooks. So he's left. You fired him four games into the season. They have no shot of getting any better. I think they have one of the highest amounts of money spent in the league and they're hamstrung for a couple of years because of these draft picks. So way to go. I think that the Texans have just nailed yeah. it out of the park. My, my tweet of the year is at four verts. And he said, imagine the man that traded Deandre Hopkins for David Johnson telling you to get the F out of his office. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. And let me just like hammer home what Lebowski was just saying about uh, the, the hamstrung position that Bill O'Brien has left the Texans in. They have, as far as committed cap space moving forward, they have the seventh most in 2021 in the league, the third most in 2022, and the second most in 2023. Uh, they have no first or second round pick uh, in the coming draft. They are, there's, you're walking into a situation where you've got, you're committed to the roster that you've currently got. They've just signed like mm -hmm. massive deals for Zach Cunningham, Laramie Tunsil, and Deshaun Watson this year. Um, there's nowhere to go to get the, to make the roster better. I mean, this is, this is a situation where like, I don't know, you got to hope you hire some genius coach who can fix it all, but it is, you're cooking with Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien's ingredients at this point, whoever yeah. they hire. Good luck finding a coach that can turn that around in, in one season, because I mean, that's what they're going to expect, right? They're going to expect someone to come in, some wonderkin to come in and fix it in one season. And it's just not going to happen. And, I'm here for it. I'm here for this next few years of uh, David Carr, Dominic. Uh, what was that guy? Other running back? I don't know. I'm here for the David Carr era to start back up like that bad of a Texans team. We're going to start the car. We are going to end it on this note at Roosh Williams, who is a Houston notable. I tweeted out Bill O'Brien traded the best receiver in the NFL because of a personal feud and then started the season. Owen four and got fired. So Houston lost DeAndre Hopkins for personal embarrassment and nothing else. That is your 2020 Houston Texans way to go. You have fired Bill O'Brien and solved absolutely nothing, at least for the foreseeable future. You're trash. You are trash. That is going to do it for us today. Uh, again, check us out, broadwaysportsmedia.com. We have more content just like this podcast articles that you can go in there and read, grab yourself a premium membership for Michael Hurd and Zach Lyons and myself, Michael Gillum. You have been effed. A Broadway sports media production.